This is Unfiltered, episode 147 for June 10th, 2015. We're in Harrogate, Washington, where they're dealing with a terror threat that has now gone viral. Catherine. Well, that's right, Neil. The witnesses testified on Capitol Hill this morning that there are a couple of thousand hardcore ISIS propagandists on the web with another 50,000 following those messages and then yet another 200,000 who are receiving them. Unfilter, this is Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's distracting you from all of that TV you shouldn't be watching. My name is Chris. Hey, and my name is Chase, and I am so happy to be here for episode number 147. You son of a gun! Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you... Uh, come on now! You give me a heart. Even before the show, you're like, Chris, don't mention the episode number. Chris, don't mention the episode number. Oh, man. I had to do that, man. You know what, Chase? You, you, know, what? I, you know what? I got to agree with Barry on this one. He's a jackass. Yeah, that's right. He's wow. a jackass with a new phone. Yeah. Wow, so you show up. I feel like every since you got this new gig, you always got something going on. You're, I, oh. For one week, you got a new job. The next week, you're riding the bus. Next week after that, you're well, actually, talking to Connie Thompson. The week after that, you got a new phone. Well, chase. I talked to Connie Thompson, and I and I and I passed the assist to you. Yeah, that was great. That worked and, out really well. And, and that was last Friday, right? We probably we could have played that clip in the show. Actually, we should play that. I can find that. Do you clip. want to find it? Well, well okay. wait, you don't have my screen, do you? No, well, I, why don't I find the clip? You find the clip. And when I while I find the clip, you tell me about that new can, mother effing phone up in this business that you got. So, so one of the the big perks, I guess you would call it, in, in working in the biz, because you know I now work <laughs> in the biz. <laughs> Look at you, Chase. I work in the biz. Working now. in the biz. I work in the biz now. That's exciting. Is they provide a a phone uh, for me, so I don't I don't have to worry about a phone bill anymore. And since I didn't own a Verizon phone, technically, right? Uh, granted, my Nexus Six is unlocked, so I could pull the SIM out of this and pop it in my Nexus Six, yeah, if I really wanted to, yeah, which I might. So you got, uh, but you got the Samsung Galaxy S Six. After much debate, I I was really I was it was what between was it? this and the G Four. What was it that pushed you over? Uh, the screen. Yeah, the screen's amazing. The screen. Um, it wasn't the camera. Uh, the, and the camera, both. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the fingerprint reader. Fingerprint reader. Yeah, that too. It's the best fingerprint reader on Android. I actually, I it's love really the, the, the only button fingerprint reader. It's awesome. The it's, button's great. How? Hey Chase. Yes, Chris. How good is it to have a physical home button? It's awesome, and I can go right into taking a picture. Boom, double tap, but what's up? But double boom. tap. I, ju- I just did a double tap, and look, yeah. look, uh, boom, just like that. Look at that. And did you notice? That's actually a really great shot. That's, yeah, yeah, exactly. You should tweet that real quick. Uh, uh, I don't have Twitter set did, up yet. Did you notice? <laughs> how, did yeah. you notice that when you take a selfie, it notices that you're taking a selfie? I haven't done that yet. Try it. Do you use the face front front facing All right, camera. So let me double tap to, to pop yep, right in the camera, and then use the front facing camera, and right, then you'll so notice the it'll actually apply digital makeup to you when it recognizes your face. So if it recognizes you're in selfie mode, it actually does blemish removal. Whoa! And you can weird. jack that up. So there's a little uh, beauty setting. So yeah, beauty I see the beauty. Yeah. You tap that, and you jack that up, and it, see how it smooths out our faces. Ooh, makes now, me want to kiss me. It makes it obvious. So you, I think you're really going to enjoy that phone, man. Congratulations! I, I can't wait to mess around with it. And, so I want to come down what, and see on Wednesday. Next Wednesday? Producer Matt, dude, is yeah. the new producer for Unfilter. He joined us a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. 6.5 gigabytes worth of clips he's collected for us this week. Oh. Blowing the doors off. So I think I'm going to be able to take a few hours off next Wednesday. Come, come down and see. Come, come on down for lunch, uh, man. Angela has a thing. Well, see, Angela has a thing at 1. That's probably oh. going to last to like 2 or something. Oh, so you want to come early or late? Well, I know you got an early day that week, so I don't know. 
Maybe mm. we'll talk after the yeah, show. Yeah, we can talk. I was thinking yeah. like we'd head down like around two, but I don't know. Oh, that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be taking off from there. If you're going to be there at two or leaving at two, we sh- we'd be we'd be leaving wherever she's at at two, heading towards your direction. Oh, okay, yeah, that'd we'll, be an afternoon thing. That's yeah, that's we'll doable. Yeah, uh, we'll do, do you want we'll me to talk. play this clip? Yeah. So lo- actually, let me set up the backstory real quick. So last week, Connie Thompson, the problem solver over there at Como News. Uh, sent out an email to the whole team and basically asked, hey, uh, does anybody have any experience with PayPal? And she wanted to be a friend uh, of somebody that works at Como. Can I pause you just for a second? Yeah, I don't mean sure. to interrupt. Yeah. I just want to make sure I think that selfie feature is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want people to think. I, I just think it's really neat that it's doing real-time digital like Photoshopping of your face. Right, but From you From a technology need... standpoint, I think that S is cool. I don't want you all taking selfies. No, I want real pictures. All right. So anyways, yes. so Connie Thompson, Problem Solver, is looking to this PayPal terms of service change. Right. And so I, th- I uh, first off, I, uh, I tossed the ball over to Angela because I know she does all the handling, all the finances of Jupiter Broadcasting. And she's like, you know, nah, but you can ask Chris see if he's free and wants to do it. And so I talked to you and you're like, sure, pass her my name. So I passed her, her your name. And she's like, oh, wow, he's way up in Arlington, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which is about an hour north of Seattle uh, with no traffic. And there's always traffic. And there's always traffic. Uh, but she was going to call you up. She talked to you on the phone. You're obviously very knowledgeable <clears throat> on the topic. You talked about it on Tech Talk Today previous mm-hmm. to her picking up the story. And TechSnap that day. That yeah. She was here. Yeah. So basically, uh, once she found out that you're a podcaster, that you know you have the studio and they had these great shots she to was, set up. She was kind of adorable because she did that typical, and she's not even Hollywood, but she did that typical Hollywood thing oh. when I'm talking to her on the phone. And, and I'm, here I am sitting at lunch, Mexican, and I get this uh, I get this call from Connie Thompson. I'm explaining to her my setup and what I'll be doing that day. She's like, oh, I'm picturing it. Lights, camera, you talking into a microphone. Yes, I see it. Like, like, she's just like, like okay, all right. <laughs> like, I could see your name yeah. in lights. <laughs> yeah. I could be your agent. All right. I will sign you to a deal today. So this is a report I guess they ran a few times on the air uh, so they about ran the PayPal. It. So first off, side story. This oh, is okay. the corrected version. Right, yes. There was Side a mistake. Story. They accidentally ran my name as Bill Fisher, yeah, which is it. kind of funny. So I had the camera ready because uh, I was watching it live at work. I hit the button and it said, I was like, whoa, Bill Filter? Yeah, right. yeah, I mean, yeah, Bill yeah. Fisher? Yeah. Uh, so I tweeted that out. Everybody had fun with it. And so now we call Chris Bill. But here's the corrected uh, lower third. Same story. And it's a great one. I hope it's a corrected lower third at least. It better be. PayPal. Digital payment giant PayPal is backing off a controversial <laughs> plan that triggered a furious backlash this week. Problem solver Connie Thompson says if you have a PayPal account, it looks like you can stop worrying about losing more of your privacy now, Connie. Yes, as I told my social network friends, Mary and Eric, <laughs> this is the power of the Internet feedback at its best. It seems PayPal wanted a free pass to robocall and robotext you at will starting July 1st, and you would have no choice. We'll go out there, we'll talk about this in our shows, and we'll advise people. The firestorm over PayPal's new service terms raged through cyberspace clearly faster than even PayPal could have predicted. As part of its split this year from eBay, PayPal updated its terms of service agreement, that mountain of fine print few customers rarely read. The new service term said PayPal could contact you using auto-dialed or pre-recorded calls and text messages. PayPal could also share any of your phone numbers with affiliates for collections, promotions, surveys, and more. And when you're contacted, you'd have to pay any charges that apply. 
to get text messages cost me money directly, every single text message that I get. Local internet broadcaster Chris Fisher and his thousands of international podcast followers joined the cyber backlash tsunami. It's very intrusive because a text message doesn't care if I'm busy, doesn't care if I'm recording a show or if I'm having time with my family. A text message is an interruption. As someone who relies on PayPal, both for audience donations and to get paid by his advertisers. For a limited time, you'll get a $50 service credit off your first Ting device. Fisher was not Ting! pleased about being forced to agree to a plan that gives him no way to say no. Initially, customers who complained say PayPal's response was that the only option for avoiding the robocall and robotext was to cancel their account. That was a big upset. Well, after all the uproar, PayPal says the section about how it can contact its customers has caused some confusion. Oh. PayPal now says the latest section about contact methods is not new, and customers can opt out of receiving auto-dialed or pre-recorded calls. Nice. PayPal insists, just got an email 20 minutes ago, insist its contact with customers are intended to benefit the relation <laughs> and it has no intention of harassing people. <laughs> so you know what's great about Connie? You know, you know how she knows you know she's a pro? She's uh we were talking back and forth and I was like uh I said to her before she wrapped up, I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't retract this. And she's like, Oh really? And she's like and she like tells the camera person like, keep going. So what do you think? And so she just immediately went into like, ask me questions <laughs> as if they did fix it. Oh! So I think that works for that report a little bit better because, yeah. <clears throat> Beautiful. Yeah. And a ting plug, as Chris yeah. noticed, as yeah. I noticed. I know, that was great too. I also love the. Uh, they pan- called you Internet Broadcaster. I love that. I love the pan shot of the logo on that monitor. Oh, there it looks too. so good. Yeah. Photographer is uh, very cool, by the way. Yeah, yeah, she's very nice. It was funny. You know, the other thing that was funny about that is they were, so I recorded that, and then they got all the shots of me recording while I was actually recording TechSnap, right. obviously because I was doing the Ting ad and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, so their camera is huge. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a TV production camera. The tripod is huge. Yes. It, like, it's not designed for this studio. It's broadcast. So to her credit, like, she at one point was, like, over in the corner, like, uh, so I'm so I'm standing, I'm standing right here, right? Right. And she's over in that corner uh, trying to get me, but she has to walk in front of the camera in order to get over there, and she's watching what shot I'm on at Wirecast, waiting for me to shoot she's, to Alan's face. Oh, that's so good. And then good. she gets in front of the camera, gets me, and then she she's keeping one eye on the camera for me and notices when I need to shoot back, and like, as soon as I need to shoot back to my face, she's like, out of the shot, and she's like, doing this, oh, and then I wow. shoot back to Alan, and then she starts wow. moving again. That's awesome, yeah, she did a, And there was a few times she started to knock over lights, so I had to mute my mic real quick, because, you know, it was <laughs> a big rig they had going. Were they so? Were they generally impressed with with the setup? I think so. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. The other thing that really, the really thing, I think one of the things is uh, Connie says. So, uh, so are these people local? You know, because I was talking about the chat room. Yeah, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> no, they're not local. I was like, hey, chat room, where are y'all from? And it was just country after country after country goes off the uh, that's awesome. goes to the chat room. So that was really neat for them. That's great. And they're like, hi, Connie, hi, Connie. That was really neat. Yeah, because yeah, uh, the, the the photographer actually did some tweets, and Connie did some tweets too, and she stepped up in front of the camera with you. Uh, during text. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. All right, so Chase, yes, uh, since we've sort of warmed up a little bit, uh, well, I'd like uh, our, our producer Matt has been following. So I, I love this. So 
uh, it's it's fascinating to see somebody else get into this. And you know, one of the things I've talked about on this show before. Sometimes I notice like cycles of news. Totally. Yeah. And there's this this one that's like this weird one is like for example, this anthrax story keeps getting weirder and weirder. It's like who really knows Wait, if it's all that. So important? that hasn't died yet. Right. So it's just that's a, weird. So so producer Matt's noticed that we've got a couple of odd ends this week that I just want to touch on, and we can move from. They're not a big deal, but this is odd news. Odd things happen this week. So we're going to start with the odd category, including this evacuation at the White House that uh, still hasn't been explained. And uh, but yet they never had to evacuate Obama. It's kind of a strange one. Sources say the dual threats called in within two hours of each other were specific enough to cause police to evacuate senators. Wow. In early fashion, uh, please exit in as quickly as possible. Get out of here! Get out! Get to the West Wing at the Get White House. The, the first threat Get came to the in chopper. just after twelve thirty. Ironically enough, during a Senate Homeland Security hearing. During testimony about the concerns about safety of TSA screening at airports. We'll get to that. Causing senators, staffers, and witnesses to flee the room. Flee? Less than two hours later, just after 2 p.m., the White House press secretary was answering questions from reporters, more chaos. Reporters being told to leave immediately. Evacuate the area. As CNN and other networks covered the evacuation live, Secret Service agents with bomb-sniffing dogs could be seen sweeping the press briefing room until someone covered TV cameras. (laughs) Within a half hour, the all-clear was called and the briefing resumed with few answers. So there's our first weird story of the week. Few answers in that one. Covering the TV cameras. Uh, Here's an update on that anthrax story, uh, and I had to uh, go from one source only. I agree with producer Matt. It's got to be the number one official source and all things, one of the most powerful women in the world, your good friend. My friend, my good buddy. Greta. Greta. On the record. Oh, no, off the record. Let's all go off the record for a minute. Let's I don't it. know about you, but the Pentagon is scaring me now. Check this On May out. 27, the Pentagon admitted to inadvertently sending potentially live anthrax to labs in nine states and a U.S. air base in South Korea, some of it shipped by FedEx. That is a giant blunder. I don't need to remind you, anthrax kills. It is a chemical weapon. So I bet you wonder, how could our Defense Department be so sloppy to (laughs) inadvertently ship potentially live samples to nine states? Well, hold on to your seat. It's worse. Two days later, on May 29th, we learned the Pentagon was mistaken about its figures. It's not nine states. It's 11 states, 25 labs, plus Australia and Canada. Much worse than originally reported. Ready? Pentagon, wrong again. Now we learn even those Pentagon numbers are wrong. It wasn't 25 labs, but 52 labs. Now that is more than twice as many, and it's not 11 states, but now 18 states, the District of Columbia, and three foreign countries. And this has been going on apparently for 10 years. 10 years. Wow. Is your head spinning? Bottom line, your Defense Department, when it comes to anthrax, doesn't know what it has shipped and where it's shipped. Man, I love this. Let's get them in charge of cyber uh, weapons like uh, zero-day defense weapon or zero-day flaws and all that kind of stuff. That seems like a great idea, right? Totally, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, no. All right, so this one also <laughs> comes from the super weird category, and okay. I want to know if this is a great idea that could save lives or so creepy that every government's going to have to get in on it. Are you ready for this one, Chase? In South Korea, there is a problem with the uh, MERS virus outbreak right now, and the uh, government's strategy to contain it to contain the quarantine and enforce that quarantine is to track the mobile phones of all of its citizens in that area to verify they don't leave the area 
3,400 people are now under quarantine in South Korea because of the MERS outbreak, and the government is tracking their whereabouts using their smartphones to make sure that no one breaks quarantine. NPR's Elise Hugh reports from Seoul on whether the public there finds that tactic creepy or comforting. <laughs> Jung Am is a Buddhist monk who lives in Jungdok Village in southern South Korea. Hello there. We called him up since we couldn't visit him in person. That's because for the past week, government quarantine orders mean no outsiders are allowed into Jungdok Village, and no villagers are allowed out. Our freedom is restricted because we can't go outside the village. So that's a little frustrating. The government cut off the 105-person village from the rest of South Korea after one villager caught MERS and interacted with her neighbors without knowing she was sick. It wasn't a purposeful thing that happened to our village. Nobody did it on purpose. Still, the quarantine means Monk Chungam's only in-person visits are from healthcare workers conducting twice-daily temperature checks. And during this quarantine, it's not just body temperature officials are watching. Healthcare workers carefully monitor the location of thousands of Koreans under quarantine through phone calls, home visits, and by tracking their mobile devices. We request information from the telecom companies with the individual's consent. Kwon Duk Chol leads a MERS response headquarters. Now they say with their consent, but if you actually listen, they also don't need the consent at all. Quarters for the Korean Health Ministry. Even when we don't have consent, we have the legal basis to request information under the Information Law and the Contagious Disease Management Law. Oh, we give telecom companies a specific time, and they give us the exact location of the individual. Sounds like just what the U.S. government does. What do you think of this? Using the smartphone. So say there is an outbreak in our see, local town. <laughs> see, the chat room's already. You just got leave the this phone at home. I mean, first off, what if you don't own a phone? Well, okay. What if you pull the battery? Of course, there's all these edge cases, but you could still get a pretty good tracking of the majority yeah. of people who are not even informed of what's going on, and then you combine that with checkpoints and in-home you visits. You know what's so sad? I think the majority of Americans would be okay with this. I honestly do. I think if they think it's a big health risk and we need to contain a virus or we need to contain something and there's a big serious issue, I bet you the majority of Americans be like, wow, this is a great use of technology. Yeah. You know, They wouldn't even think about the security ramifications. They wouldn't even think about your think government about like looking this. at you. Think about it like this. You could almost pitch it as at least you get to stay in your home. You know, You don't have to go to some sort of medical center or something. Some oh, FEMA camp. But you could already stay in your home. I mean, But, <clears throat> but this is a way yeah. they allow to contain it without having to round people up. They yeah. could, I mean, you could just see how it's That's fun true. in a lot of different ways. That's true. I find it to be creepy. Oh, and it's I also definitely see, creepy. It seems like a slam dunk that other governments are going to do this eventually. South Korea is leading the way here. Well, I, I bet you other governments are already doing it, yeah. and they're not Especially even telling Governments like in Baltimore. Now, uh, Lindsey Graham wants to get us started on the Middle East. We're going to do a a large stint on the Middle East today just because I've actually realized a few things are clicking together with ISIS. Uh, And I wanted to start with Lindsey Graham. He's running for president, and he's got a unique view that I think would be gangbusters for our show. I think if Lindsey Graham gets elected for president, we could go five days a week. Listen to this. If I were president, the first thing I would announce is I'd arm the Ukrainians so they can fight for the armed freedom. There you go. I'd leave a residual force ba- behind in Afghanistan. There you and go. I would send more troops into Iraq yeah, to buddy. accelerate their ability to reconstitute their army so they could deny ISIL some hay havens in, in Iraq. Now, Syria is the hard one. 
I'd ask Egypt, I'd ask Turkey, and the regional allies we have. No, this is, I, sorry, this is not John McCain speaking. This is Lindsey Graham speaking. <laughs> I know, I know it sounds like word for word what John McCain says, but if you listen, you can hear that accent. That's Lindsey Graham. All right, so sorry, back to, uh, to uh, forming a coalition with Egypt. To form an army, and we'd be part of that army, and we'd go in and take territory back from ISIL, and we'd have to hold it. Then you try to get political reconciliation between the Alawites and the rest of the population. What I love about Lindsey is uh, he can be really fast on his feet. So uh, check out this question he's about to get. It's such a doozy. And man, it, it's like... Oh, it's like, a softball it's or an, is, it, is no, it a tough one? No, it's a great one. And he doesn't hesitate at all. Now, who's interviewing him, by I the way? I think it's Chuck Todd. I don't remember oh, okay. for sure. So who put the QR code up? Um, probably, you know, producer Matt Kissy's from various locations. Oh, okay. No, I, I, the only reason why I asked that, because I wanted to make sure this wasn't some sort of campaign piece that was, that was pulled and then they, you know, fed right. the question. So I want, so Got hold on. Okay, so get back on track here. Uh, so, so he's asking Lindsey Graham a question. I want you to pay attention to how fast Lindsey answers oh, this absolutely. question. Yeah. And then also, I want you to think about it in the context of how good this would be for our show. So don't be freaked out by what he's going right. to say. Okay. I just think, man, this would be great for unfiltered. Just for content. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and Chuck, I think Chuck Todd's asked a pretty decent question in Syria because I mean what he's saying here so uh, you know I mean he's just saying he, uh, he's saying here we gotta we gotta we gotta form another army we gotta go into Syria with that army we gotta get back more people in Iraq boots on the ground we gotta get a sustaining force in Afghanistan uh, we gotta uh, we gotta uh, fight ISIS I mean he's really laying it all out there right and so I'm thinking to myself holy crap is the US gonna be stuck in the Middle East forever the population in Syria how do you get out we've just you don't get out that- you don't get out. Oh, you don't get out. So, yeah, you don't get out. Now look at that. Now look at him. You don't get out. He's just right on that. He, oh yeah, you get. He had, did hesitate a little bit, didn't he? You don't get out. You don't. You stay forever. How do you get out? We've you just don't we, get out. That, you uh, don't get out. So that's what you have to set up the country for. Is that guess what? We're never going to get out. No. We're going to have to manage the Middle East. Japan. You never leave the Middle East. And what do you say? We're still in Japan. He's right. That's true. We're still in Japan. Voluntarily, I was just going to say, yes. you believe you have to manage it the way we've managed Japan and Germany. I think you have to be involved in, in the Mideast militarily, politically, economically. If you're not, you're making a huge mistake. If we'd left Germany and Japan after a certain period of time. So the next president is truly going to be the president that looks at the world as America is the true great empire. And in his opinion, we are the true great. We should just keep military bases over Only there. Only God knows what would I happen mean, here. And honestly, have we even talked about closing down bases in Germany or Japan? Has that happened or other parts of the world? No, it hasn't. No. 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 Now, uh, here we are. So now that we're in the Middle East, uh, I don't know if you know this, Chase, uh, but the pressure on Obama this week. Yeah. Man, are people giving him a hard time. He tries to punt some of the blame to the Pentagon, and that blew up in his face. And now Fox News and all the other outlets are beating on him hard about his strategy. And they're pushing, pushing, pushing about the Obama ISIS strategy. Check this one out. I mean, I I just, I was, I was stunned by his comments two days ago or three days ago. Stunned. All right. No, that is is not just another politician blasting the president for saying that we don't have a complete strategy to fight ISIS. This guy used to work for the president as his top spy chief. So now that the White House is sending another 450 so-called advisors over there, is that enough to satisfy General Michael Flynn? Now we're honored. So uh, we're sending another 450 advisors over to Iraq, and uh, there's a big push to get boots on the ground to stabilize things. And people are saying, look, Obama, you don't have a strategy here. The Pentagon's laid out several options for you, and you don't like it. There is something strange about the Obama administration's approach to ISIS, ISIL, ISIL, IS. Let's start there, actually. 
from day one, we haven't been co- cohesive on the name. No. Which has been really weird. Yeah. And you remember they called like ISIS the Ivy League early on or something like the Junior League or no, something? No, they, they were the JV. The JV, team. thank you. The JV team, you know. And I, I honestly think the reason why the Obama administration never took them that seriously is because of what ISIS truly is. ISIS is a ragtag, peop- a bunch of people that got guns through one of many places, but one of the main places they got guns through was through Libya. Yeah. And they thought, okay, well, this is a group of people. How much damage could they do? Well, I think they didn't expect that special interest groups, like maybe in Saudi Arabia and other areas, are getting behind these guys yeah. and really turn them into something kind of crazy. Perhaps it's gotten away from them a little bit. Yeah, and give them video production equipment, yeah. green screens, well, uh, I lighting. Think, I think those guys uh, are out of – the guys that do the video production for them are out of cutter. But, uh, but uh, they, you know, but there, are, there yeah. are people with money that have backed them to oh, help absolutely. do that. Yeah, we've seen it. So um, I, I feel like the Obama administration never has had a very cohesive plan for this because this has just bo- just exploded. And, of course, they wanted to – the Obama administration the entire time has wanted to kind of withdraw from the Middle East and focus more on China. And, you know, they want to do the pivot to Asia. Right. Uh, so they, I feel like they have been kind of flat-footed. And now the problem is, according to all of these people, is because we have not had a cohesive strategy, we now have thousands of ISIS supporters in the U.S. Boston terror suspect Usama Rahim raised in the United States, radicalized by ISIS, according to investigators, killed before he allegedly was going to attack police officers. We're going to talk more about this in just a bit, but uh, there was a uh, supported, supposed ISIS supporter who was uh, being tracked by the FBI, uh-huh. and uh, he came out of a CVS with a long knife, and he was going to do some killing, and they shot him before he had a chance to get his jihadi killing on. Elton Simpson and Nadir Sufi, also raised in the U.S., shot and killed by law enforcement in Garland, Texas, as they tried to attack a Prophet Muhammad drawing contest. You notice that, uh, uh, oh, there you go. Yeah, that one. Uh, there, you notice that all these people now that they can make these claims about their connection to ISIS and whatnot are all dead. ISIS called them two of its soldiers. Simpson had direct communication. You'll see here 663 followers. He's following 75 people. Six tweets total. Communication with ISIS's best known hacker. Tonight, a U.S. intelligence official tells CNN there are strong concerns in the intelligence community about a surge in the number of ISIS sympathizers inside the United States. The FBI is struggling to identify active consumers of ISIS propaganda. There's hundreds, uh, maybe thousands. So it's, it's, a, it's a challenge to get a full understanding of just how many of those passive followers are taking action. The passive followers, people inside the United States who have been known to post pro-ISIS messages on social media. Oh my gosh, Chase, Twitter! Pictures of themselves wearing ISIS logos. There's this sympathizer who displayed an ISIS logo on a phone just feet from the White House. So it's a guy taking a picture of him holding up his iPhone with the ISIS, that, that, that just generic black ISIS logo that doesn't really mean anything. He, that's up on the iPhone. And then that guy's taking a picture of it in front of the White House. We are here, hashtag. America near our hashtag target. Yeah. yeah. This is one that was read a while ago. I have, do you remember that line? Yeah. That was, yeah. With a tweet, we are here, America, near our target. It's done to kind of play off of that ISIS is everywhere. They can reach their wait, enemies. Wait. But anybody could do this. Wait. Anybody could do this. Jihadology.net? Really? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Really? Do you want to check it out? Check no, it out. Check I don't want to see that. Go to, go to jihadology.net. I don't go even to, know how to spell it. If that. you and I ever go take a filter on the road, it's on the, yeah. If you and I, yeah, okay, you ready? I'll, I'll, it's J-I-H-A-D-O-L-O-G-Y.net. If we ever take on filter on the road, uh, we should prank like this. We could, this could be a great viral marketing uh, campaign for the show. 
This could be. Jihad. Oh my God, we could get the audience to do this. No, too late, Chris. Um, they just pushed out an episode of the Jihadi podcast. Which- yes. Will you play it? Will you uh, hit play? I've got uh, audio from your machine. Uh, sure, yeah. I can. Hold can you on here. can you play it for yeah, us, buddy? Absolutely. I want to hear the Jihadi podcast. This is gonna be it's, so good. It's playing right now. Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, this is good, man. I'm digging this. Welcome to the first ever Jihadology podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You're welcome. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is awesome. I'm Aaron Zellin, founder of Jihadology.net and a senior fellow at the Washington Institute for Near East Policy and the International Center for the Study of Radicalization and Political Violence, as well as a PhD candidate at King's College. This Water. is going to be a killer podcast. Oh, this show comes it. out every two weeks. All right, all right, okay, I can't stand this it. This comes anymore. out every two weeks. So and... let's let this guy finish up. This is the same guy, I think. Many of them, analyst no, Philip Smythe says, could be posers. But experts point out there's been a spike in ISIS activity inside the United States recently. At least 32 court cases over the past two years of people in the U.S. accused of trying to provide material support to ISIS. Surveillance of ISIS suspects inside the United States is at an all-time high. U.S. officials say ISIS operatives overseas entice supporters on social media and use encrypted communications to encourage them to take action. Oh, so we you know need, it all. So that means we need backdoors. That's what this is about. Analyst David Gartenstein Ross, who tracks the radicalization of Americans, worries about the next step. The thing I would look for is whether ISIS is playing a role beyond just general support, but actually trying to influence targets, trying to influence the kind of action that already radicalized supporters will end up taking. I like the idea that ISIS is an organization, too. Uh, All right, so now I want to take you into the mind of producer Matt over the weekend, Mm -hmm. uh, where he had nearly uh, an aneurysm when he witnessed, you know how I, you know me, sometimes I've been like, Chase, I saw this on every single network this week, and it is a message they are trying to get out there on every single network. Well, producer Matt noticed the same thing this week. We've got one from CNN, Fox News, Reuters, and I think maybe another one. I'm going to play these. Over the weekend, it was one after the other. The computers are dangerous. Be afraid of the computers. The Twitter is going to radicalize Uh. us. Federal investigators saying that they believe that the two Boston terrorist suspects were likely radicalized online by ISIS, a move becoming a trend. And we're continuing to see this in other plots as well. And during a hearing yesterday, counterterrorism officials warned that the use of social media by ISIS is unprecedented. ISIL has been able to quickly reach a global audience and encourage acts of violence inspiring US. You notice this is a Fox News alert. I mean, they're flashing alert down in the corner. Alert, they, alert, they did the alert, whole big alert, dong alert. intro. Citizens to travel to Syria to recruit and radicalize. Its social media presence is more widespread than any other terrorist group. This, of course, is a counterterrorism center guy. SIL has often shaped its media content to amplify the effect of its violent operations and activities. They do so in an attempt to project an image of power and intimidation. I, there's so much irony in the scare tactics of the media, where they're covering how ISIS is using media propaganda to scare people. Here's another network covering it. Catherine Harridge in Washington. Oh, this is Fox. This is where they're dealing with a terror threat. So this is our intro clip. I want to play through a little more because she goes on. Catherine is so great. I love her. That has now gone viral. Catherine. Gone viral, Chase. Well, that's Fire. right, Neil. The witnesses testified viral. on Capitol Hill this morning that there are a couple of thousand hardcore ISIS propagandists on the web. Woo! with another 50,000 following those messages, and then yet another 200,000 who are receiving them. And on the situation in Boston, the FBI witness indicated that that 26-year-old suspect Molly was referring to had gone operational. 
So yeah. this is based do, wait, on witness testimony. This yep. is based on witness testimony, all these. I mean, do they have a list? Because, I mean, where's this? <laughs> yeah, where's maybe there's this? a Twitter list you could follow, dude. I know. I mean, I want to know. I want to know where they're getting this data. Yeah. Well, from, from the testimony of the witness, quote unquote. The targets that are out there, the counterterrorism subjects, we are monitoring them very closely for any type of action. These witnesses were some of these people that they were monitoring for any type of action. The witnesses uh. that gave them this data. Um, any type of uh, overt steps, any mobilization factors, and when we see those, uh, we're not taking the chance. Witnesses also testified that there are two types of radicalization, the kind of slow burn that can sometimes... This is what the witnesses testified, Chase. There's two types of radicalization, according to the witnesses, Chase. Wow. Takes years. And then this... There's slow burn, the kind that takes years. And then, Chase, get this one. This is the one that happens because of Twitter. Flash to bang, like the Zale Thompson case in New York City, who in a matter of weeks attacks rookie cops with a hatchet after he combed the web using nearly 300 discrete search terms. I love that this one has been retrofitted as an ISIS case. We covered this one the day it happened because we were, I think we were on the air the day it happened and it wasn't an ISIS thing at all. For jihad. They believe that they can enter into the dialogue I referred to earlier and provide the tools and they're not getting into very complex tools. All right, I want to stop there. All right, so there's one network. Here's another network over the weekend. ISIS uses a slick social media campaign to recruit new members, and lawmakers are concerned the U.S. is not doing enough to respond. We are no longer hunting terrorists living in caves. We are facing an enemy whose messages and calls to violence are posted and promoted in real time over the Internet. What I love so much about the uh, the terrorism network over the internet, the, uh, the they've come out of the dig- the dark age, and now they're part digital mavens. And what's so great about that is anybody anybody could tweet, anybody can tweet, anybody can make an account right now and right. say they're ISIS and put the ISIS yeah. flag as their avatar yep. and tweet. And if you and I ever did a show from DC, we could go do some crazy picture and we could create like unfilter ISIS and we could go make some great marketing for this show and and we could say it's an ISIS account and then be arrested probably the terror attack last month in garland texas drew greater attention to the threat from isis in america the obama administration says elton simpson and nadir sufi acted on their own but after the incident a suspected isis member quickly posted more attacks are coming with 71 so-called trained soldiers in 15 states yeah this event highlights the growing threat our nation faces and from we a believe new it because it's written as such often operating from afar who use social media. Lawmakers believe there are thousands of people already in the U.S. following ISIS propaganda online who could potentially attack America if called on. We know that the threats from foreign and domestic terrorist groups are not going away overnight. On Tuesday, law enforcement shot and killed a man under surveillance by terrorism investigators. Officials say he posted ISIS propaganda online, and he is another example of individuals radicalized by social media. Wow. Craig Boswell, CBS News. Of course, he's dead. He's dead, so who knows. But, uh, wow. Uh, that is so interesting to me now. How, how can we... One more. How does this pass the sniff test? I know, right? One more, and then we'll talk about that. Uh. I know. In Boston, an alleged plot to attack police officers by a man suspected of being a homegrown extremist homegrown. is part of what national security officials describe as a surge in U.S.-based ISIS sympathizers. We have a surge in homegrown ISIS-based sympathizers. A surge driven by Twitter and yes. social media, yes. say law enforcement, yes. making the threat of attacks more and more likely. 
Can you believe Wait, they're going for this? Only 329 likes. And I don't even know what that says. Can you believe they're going for this? Can you... They... they What they want you to believe is that ISIS... Is, uh, first of all, they want you to believe that ISIS has a message. Second of all, they want you to believe that that message is so attractive to American citizens that they are being drawn to become completely radicalized over Twitter by this appealing message. Now, first of all, they don't have a message. They don't have a message. And there's nobody. Nobody is getting on Twitter and following these ISIS people and getting radicalized. And isn't it interesting that all the people they've shot and killed were all already under surveillance by the FBI? Isn't that interesting, Chase? In uh, fact, Chase, yes, Chris. I, I have something. I have something. I don't know if. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let me find this for you. I, I want to play this. Uh, uh, I don't know if we can. Oh yes, here we go. Perfect. I can't play all of it because I don't want us to get pulled down. But I want you to. I want to walk you through this. So it's sort of like a self fulfilling prophecy. We put these people on the terror terrorism watch list. Then we sort of set them up to create the very acts that we then shoot them for and then claim that they were terrorism uh. for. And so there is a TED talk that producer Matt put in the supporter sync. I really, really either want you to go Google this if you're not a supporter. It's called. How, uh, how the FBI is actually creating terrorism or U.S.-based terrorists. I'm going to play a little bit for you, and it might get us pulled off YouTube, but it's, it's awesome. And uh, I'll just play, like, hopefully a few seconds because it's very relevant to, uh, to our discussion. And this is from a TED that should be online on YouTube. The FBI is responsible for more terrorism plots in the United States than any other organization. More than al-Qaeda more than al-Shabaab, more than the Islamic State, more than all of them combined. This isn't likely how you think about the FBI. You probably think of FBI agents gunning down bad guys like John Dillinger or arresting corrupt politicians. After the 9-11 terrorist attacks, the FBI became less concerned with gangsters and crooked elected officials. The new target became terrorists, and the pursuit of terrorists has consumed the FBI. Every year, the Bureau spends $3.3 billion on domestic counterterrorism activities. Compare that to just $2.6 billion combined for organized crime, financial fraud, public corruption, and all other types of traditional criminal activity. I'm going to leave it right there. Because uh, I think just uh, looking at the money aspect of it, because, like, what do you always say, Mr. Chase? Show me the money, Chris! Show me the money! It's a, it's an industry. It's an industry. Point three point three billion dollars yeah, a year. It's, it's a it's a uh, it's about a, a ten minute long TED talk. Uh, we have it in the ISIS category of the supporter sync, and I seriously encourage you uh, to go check it out. Uh, anyways, uh, I, I just you could see how they're, they're the reason I think they're hitting this digital internet ISIS thing so hard is they need to say this is why we need to have access to encryption. They're building the case for it. And we they're need building the back door. Yeah. You know, we can't let these people out there. Right. You know, use the social media. They don't know what they're doing. Right. Exactly. Uh, so uh, we'll see. Uh, and and then uh, one more. Uh, this is a little dry. But uh, it goes back to that lone wolf uh, uh, discussion, which I find to be so revolting. And so this one, unfortunately, doesn't get a lot of airplay because it is a little dry. But uh, it's super important discussion. Um, related question on, on ISIS. This is the press conference, uh, unedited, sort of from the ABC Raw, uh, ABC.com uh, live raw feed. And uh, their, their guy is asking him questions about the lone wolf problem that uh, we just saw and heard so much about uh, in those clips. Testimony today uh, in Congress on those 
in this country who are feeding on ISIS propaganda through social through uh, social media. He almost said social military. Isn't that interesting? Huh. Um, are you confident that the administration has the tools it needs to keep track of and monitor those? What a softball. Wow. Who are here in the United States, uh, radicalized by uh, ISIS propaganda. Uh, John, you've heard from our law enforcement and national security professionals uh, that that this is very difficult work. Uh, and the president himself has even observed on previous occasions that the, the threat uh, that he's particularly worried about uh, is sort of the lone wolf threat, uh, an individual that uh, could be radicalized right. but essentially would carry out an operation of their own doing that would uh, result in some violence. And I will try to remember to put this in the show notes, but the uh, FBI says that they can uh, claim that uh, terrorists are using WhatsApp well, to have self-destructing messages back and forth to well, each other. Well, well, Chris, you know, the good news here, the good news is that we're collecting all this metadata. Yeah. And uh, I know we, we did show on the show last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, uh, where the government has had a record number of terrorists that they've been able to catch yeah. through the collection of that metadata. Oh, a record number. A record, record number. number. A record number. A record number. Yeah, and so we just need to continue and actually uptick that program so we can continue the right. record number. Record number. Number. The record number of terrorists. Uh, <laughs> of terrorists. Of terrorists yeah. uh, that have been caught by this program. Well, I don't know, Chase. They might not have the funds for it uh, because uh, we need to send more boots on the ground to Iraq. Now that we're in the Middle East, uh, let's do a little Iraq update real quick. Got this news on Iraq and a new recommendation from the Pentagon. It wants to send 400 more U.S. troops to help Iraq in the fight against ISIS, Woo! specifically in Anbar province. But they're like just Ramadi trainers. Fallujah. Reports suggest the president is on board this plan. A final decision could come today. My next guest has written a new book. It's called Valley of the Shadow. Terrific read there about the Civil War. You didn't read it. <laughs> Retired U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel. Ra Let's stop right there. You can watch the rest of the clip and support it. It's a book plug. So uh, the one thing about it is, yes, exactly, uh, is that uh, where these guys are going to be located at is actually fairly dangerous. Let's bring in former U.S. Army Intelligence Officer Jessica McFate now. She's currently Research Director at the Institute for the Study of War. That group describes itself as a nonpartisan, nonprofit, public policy research. Now, give this clip a chance, because uh, uh, about midway or a little bit more than midway into the clip, uh, Shep uh, just very bluntly says, now, hold on. How can sending more training, more advisors, giving them more guns possibly work when every single time they fall apart and they give the guns to the bad guys? How can we be doing this again? It seems insane. And he pins her down on that. Search organization. It receives funding from some of America's biggest defense contractors, including General Dynamics, Raytheon, and Dynacorp. Nice to talk to you again. Thank you. Thank you. This is a new strategy. Now we're going to train this. This is a Shia government, right? That this Shia government has has it shown any signs that it wants to make Sunnis part of things here? Well, I actually think the central government of Iraq does. I think that it regards Iranian-backed Shia militias that would wish for Iraq's government to fight primarily for Shia interests. Uh, to be a limited influence, they do want a cross-sectarian, unified Iraqi future. The problem is that they are losing the war to ISIS, and I think that's really the bigger concern. Well, Sunni leaders have been in Washington for the last couple of days, and to a man, and obviously it's only men, to a man they say, this government is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Just like the Maliki government before it, it's not being inclusive, there's no place for Sunnis within it, and there's no reason for anybody to think that this is going to get any better. What are we doing? 
Well, that's a very sad reflection. I would have said about six months ago when the Abadi government first came to power that that sentiment actually wasn't there. There was hope that the government following Maliki would be cross-sectarian, but that government is under a lot of pressure and it has not been delivering on this score. So I'm not entirely surprised uh, that there is uh, cynicism again. What they're saying is we could be back in a government that very well could be very fractured. Exactly. It, to, to people who would say this looks like the mission creep of the 1960s, what is the rebuttal? Well, I do think that a train and assist mission uh, is a, an important component of a strategy to counter ISIS. My main problem is that uh, it's, it's not going to be fast enough. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary of ISIS's declaration of a caliphate, and ISIS is gaining momentum in Iraq and Syria. Train and assist takes a long time, so I'm actually concerned uh, that there isn't a component of this strategy that will additionally stop ISIS in its tracks so that the Iraqi security forces can start to mount effective campaigns. We have this dictionary problem around here, and, and part of it is the definition <laughs> of insanity, You're right which there. is obviously doing the same thing and expecting a different result, which makes this look a bit insane, because the last time we trained a bunch of these people, uh, they melted away and gave away all our stuff. Yep. And then the next time they melted away and gave away all our stuff. Yep, yep, and then yep. the next time they melted away and gave away all our stuff. Yep. And now we're about to train them again and give them our stuff. And yeah. we're kind of wondering what they might do next. Right. But somebody has to fight ISIS on the ground. Well, it's and not us. Our policy has been not us. So train and assist ends up being the next best step. So you can kind of understand why maybe the Obama administration doesn't have the best strategy here, because there's not a great answer. No. You've got a government that can't keep its crap together. You've got an army that isn't all that reliable with only 28, 2,700 troops. And then you got the fact that it doesn't it, like it, it seems like the strategy never ends up working and getting the results we need anyways. You're right. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think we need a new playbook to fight ISIS. But, but it can include what they want because most military analysts who, who, who are willing to speak on this matter and politicians for that matter who have any sense will tell you that that's exactly what ISIS wants. ISIS has come to the front and said, we want American troops, send them. Because the moment we sent the troops to the front line, they win. So aside from that, I mean, where are the Saudis? Can we get them involved here? Can we get the Turks involved in any way? What's happening over there in Jordan? I mean, what can we do? Well, certainly. I do think that regional partnership strategies are another huge component. But the biggest problem where Saudi Arabia and Turkey are concerned is that they are more concerned about fighting the Assad regime. And that sectarian regional dynamic is still competing. Yeah, that's right, because ISIS helps them there. That's the problem. So uh, it's yeah. not really in their best interest. Should we make a Red Book prediction on Shep, or do you think he's going to stick around for a while? I think Shep's going to stay around. I mean, obviously, I think he... It's all about the ratings, remember? It's about the numbers. All right. All and right. if he gets the numbers, yep, yep. it doesn't matter. I'm going to play a quick clip. Uh, this one got everybody all upset uh, this week on the right about Obama pointing the finger at the Pentagon for not having a strategy. Just going to play a moan of this, and then we're going to get off Iraq. ISIS releasing a brand new propaganda video this morning threatening to capture Baghdad. That is after the kidnapping of another 88 Christians in Libya. in Libya. Meanwhile, a U.S. military official completely denies President Obama's claim that his own generals have yet to give him a finalized plan to defeat the terror army. That official... He made that statement at G7. We have it in the supporters' sink. ...telling Fox News, quote, What the blank was that? We have given him plenty of options. In other words, Fox News gets direct messages from high ups in the Pentagon who can swear like that. And Fox News is essentially uh, I, I wonder if they just are like 
Is there offices at the Pentagon sometimes? Well, I remember CNN has an office at the Pentagon. Yeah, so. but Fox News really does seem like a drum for the Pentagon. It's, it's interesting. A lot of anger from the Pentagon, uh, from that person. And our own Fox News contributors agree. All right, so we'll stop there. So a lot of blowback this week on Obama on, on his whole Iraq and ISIS strategy altogether. So we're following it. And uh, it's interesting because now they can use all the ISIS issues yeah. as a way to sort of encroach on digital issues. Uh, fascinating there. And then... Before we completely leave, we've got to talk about Ukraine, and uh, things were looking possibly good. Uh, we had uh, Biden, no, not Biden, it was Kerry, that was talking to the higher-ups in the right. Russian government, yep, making nice. We thought maybe things were going to go well. Uh, no. No, no. At least according to this guy from the Ukrainian government, the Russian aggression is getting worse. I want to be very clear. More than 10,000 Russian military boots are on the Ukrainian soil. 10,000 Russian military boots. Now, these are the Ukrainian government's numbers. And in addition, about 30,000 of Russian-led terrorists trained by Russian FSB and Russian army. So what's it going to take to get rid of them? Well, we expected that this so-called means deal could be a good way how to de-escalate the situation. And we still believe that this is the only solution. But in order to make this solution viable and in order to implement the means deal, we need to underpin diplomatic efforts with the strong, durable Ukrainian military. We need to give the Ukrainian military some guns. Give them some guns. Hey, Chris, you know I'm a visual guy. I don't know if you picked up on this. See the map uh, behind the prime minister there? Yeah. Do you notice anything interesting with that map? Uh, the, they have Crimea not marked as part of Russia, but marked as orange. Right. Yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's an annexed part of Ukraine. And they voted themselves. Why wouldn't it be red? Because in the West's di- in the West's version, that's right. they, Russia has, is imposing that upon them. Right, but not even label it. I mean, it's just orange. Yeah, isn't that weird? And everything else is labeled. Uh, well, except for the green countries, which we which makes sense because they're not a part of the story. But yeah, yeah, but I meant everything with Ukraine and Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm just throwing that. So out this there. the prime minister wants us to give him some guns. So that's what he wants: is give yeah. him some guns. Good catch, Chase. Good catch. Uh, and uh, so uh, there's that. There's that push. And Obama says, "Nope, we're not pulling back those sanctions anytime soon." As wow. we've seen again in recent days, Russian forces continue to operate in eastern Ukraine violating Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity. Uh, this is now the second year in a row that the G7 has met without Russia, another example of Russia's isolation. And every member of the G7 continues to maintain sanctions on Russia for its aggression against Ukraine. Now, it's important to recognize the Russian economy has been seriously weakened. The ruble and foreign investment are down. Inflation is up. The Russian central bank has lost more than $150 billion in reserves. Russian banks and firms are virtually locked out of the international markets. Russian energy companies are struggling to import the services and technologies they need for complex energy projects. That's how we go. That's how we roll. Russian defense firms have been cut off from key technologies. Russia is in deep recession. So Russia's actions in Ukraine are hurting Russia and hurting the Russian people. Russia's actions in Ukraine. Here at the G7, we agreed that even as we will continue to seek a diplomatic solution, sanctions against Russia will remain in place so long as Russia continues to violate its obligations under the Minsk Agreement. Now, the Minsk Agreement gets brought up a lot. The Minsk Agreement, the Minsk Agreement. 
Our European partners reaffirm that they will maintain sanctions on Russia until the Minsk agreements are fully implemented, which means extending the EU's existing sectoral sanctions beyond July. So the G7 partners are continuing their sanctions. Now, here's the funny thing about the Minsk agreement. Mm. U.S. didn't even agree to the Minsk agreement. Oh, really? Yeah. We're all hot and bothered about them not following an agreement that we ourselves are not even part of. Yeah. Wow. And the G7 is making it clear that if necessary, we stand ready to impose additional significant sanctions against Russia. Ooh, ooh, that's scary, huh? Additional sanctions. All right. And then uh, one more in the uh, F Russia category. Uh, We have uh, you. Well, we'll just play a little bit. I just just love the soundbite. I want to be very clear. I want to be very clear. Let me play it again. I want to be very clear. I want to be very clear. We need boots on the ground. We need guns. Uh, So uh, check that out, Chase. What do you think? Should we arm the Ukrainian military? Well, we're already arming. We already armed ISIS. So might as well. Might as well. Might as well. I mean, we got enough, right? Enough to go around. Let's uh, let's get out of the Middle East. Let's get into the cyber breach. Uh, you know, there was this uh, breach of the uh, federal records, four million federal records, perhaps more. Don't worry. All they're going to do is give them credit monitoring, and they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll be all right. This is CNN breaking news. And there's more breaking news. We're now seeing uh, indications of what's being described as a massive data breach, potentially affecting four million federal workers here in the United States. The data breach involves the government's Office of Personnel Management and the Department of the Interior. Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, others are reporting the story. We're also now getting official confirmation from the Office of Personnel Management. Uh, Chinese hackers, according to the newspapers, are suspected <laughs> the of breaching the government's computer system last December. Let's bring in our justice reporter. I love it when it's uh, Chinese hackers, uh, according to the newspapers. Uh, of course, now here is a little bit later in the evening, an update from uh, your buddy, your good, good friend, friend, your absolute uh, BFF. Oh my gosh, it's Anderson oh, Yeah! Hackers gaining access to confidential information on as many as 4 million Americans, which would be bad enough, but it gets worse. These 4 million men and women are either current or former federal employees. Now, we only learned about it late today. Tonight, we've also learned that the prime suspect is not some nerd in a basement somewhere or a crime syndicate, but a superpower, the People's Republic of China, authorities say. Evan Perez joins us now with what his sources have been saying. So what new information are are you learning? Well, Anderson, you know, I'm told that this uh, breach is much, much bigger than what the government has told us today. Uh, We're told that virtually every government agency has been breached by these hackers. Every government agency? And that there were two distinct attacks that occurred. Uh, We are are only now beginning to learn that perhaps uh, this may affect millions more people than the four million uh, the Office of of Personnel Management announced uh, today. Uh, Again, this is a much bigger deal than the government first let on. That's incredible. Every agency of the government? Virtually every government agency was breached by this uh, as part of this attack. And Now, if it's the personnel records, that just means that there's personnel from every agency because they have all of the personnel records of right. the federal government. Yeah, every single one. So it's not like every individual department got breached necessarily. Right, that's true. Maybe. And it was sophisticated enough that they used different, different signatures uh, to throw off uh, anybody who might have been looking. And, and how long was this going on for? Well, they were in the system for months, Anderson, and that's uh, really raising a major concern here. The Department of Homeland Security. So I want to stop I right here. I know what it was. 
Someone checked the box in Active Directory that says password never expire. Right. And an employee got fired, yep. and then they never closed the account. Yeah. And he was just at a Chinese food restaurant when he logged in. No, uh, so this is there's a fun, interesting political dynamic going on in the background here. So the Department of Homeland Security has really fought a very, very hard case behind the scenes to sort of be responsible to check the federal government for security issues. They right. want to own yeah. – the Department of Homeland Security wants to, be, wants to be responsible for the federal government's homeland cybersecurity. The problem is this breach was actually found by another department during an audit. And then the Department of Homeland Security came around and said, oh, no, we have this fancy Einstein software. It totally saw it, too, once we updated the patterns. Made a big deal today of saying that their Einstein system was key in detecting this. It detected it after the fact. However, I'm told by sources that, uh, that really uh, the Office of Personnel Management detected it first, and then uh, the Homeland Security Department came in and used this system nice. called Einstein uh, to Einstein. try to uh, diagnose and see where else it was, and they discovered that it was spread much more broadly. Here's the issue. Now check this out. Uh, the Homeland Security Department is supposed to be doing diagnostic checks of government networks all over the place, and they clearly, clearly aren't doing it. And uh, there's another problem with the Einstein system, and that is uh, that it doesn't really detect when hackers change the signatures of the malware they're using. <laughs> so that makes it really not that smart. Listen to this. Uh, if, uh, certainly not any more smarter than, than anything you can find at Best Buy oh. if it can't detect hackers uh, changing the signatures of their attacks. <laughs> okay. All right. So Best Buy's not happy. That is so, well, that's just so choice. The Homeland Security Department's got to be loving that. Now, was it really a software update failure? What was it, perhaps? It only took one government agency that had not taken the simple step of updating its server software to open the door to an unprecedented and alarming cyber attack believed Ooh. to be by the government of China. Believed to be because the newspaper said so. Though right. the White House still is not publicly naming the culprit, it is acknowledging... Here's how the White House, here's how they stoke this. I love this. So they have unnamed officials that will sometimes say China. And then the other way they'll do it is, we're not going to say who the government is, but y'all remember how China hacked us before? They've And we've been talking to them about it for a long time and asked them not to hack. Hey, you guys all remember how we used to talk to president yeah. to president and say, stop <laughs> hacking? Yeah. But we're not saying this was China, but you remember how we've talked to them about it before? And that's essentially how they imply it's China without saying it's China. The growing threat. We have seen our adversaries use innovative techniques and to learn from their previous efforts uh, to try to find vulnerabilities in our system and to exploit them. This attack appears designed to lay the groundwork for future attacks, using the stolen personal information to fool government employees in so-called spear phishing attacks and to impersonate them to carry out insider attacks. And crucially, by revealing who has security clearances and at what level, they may now be able to identify, expose, and even blackmail U.S. officials around the world. Nice sound effect, Chase. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So what we're doing here is, of course, what happened is the data that was stolen is average Joe federal employees. And, of course, there's different types of federal employees that are mixed in there. I'm sure Anderson Cooper was on there at some point when he, back when he worked at the CIA. There's a lot of people that are on the payroll at the federal government. They have their at records access. But it's probably things like their name, their, you know, the kind of thing that's going to give them free experience right, yeah. for a year, that kind of stuff. So it's not like it's, like, super confidential information. So what they're going to have to do is say, well, it's very valuable in aggregate. Now we have a lot of information on people. Now we can send them emails. Now I know their names. I know their birth date. I might even know their address. So now in aggregate, all this information could be valuable to a government, to a state. So that's what makes it. Because if you actually saw what the data was individually, it wouldn't seem like a super huge deal. 
Targeting the personal information of federal employees is new. Chinese hackers had previously focused on stealing military and government secrets to enhance national security. Of course. And corporate data for financial gain. I don't think that's stopped. Uh, but this is just a new attack vector, which has typically been used by organized crime for monetizing that data. Uh, and now nation states are clearly seeing that it has some use for them as well. Security analysts say some federal agencies are not following the government's own guidelines to update operating systems with the latest protections. The Office of Personnel Management discovered the breach by using new software But the detection came after the system had already been compromised. After years of cyber attacks by China, the Obama administration has tried raising the issue president to president. It even issued criminal charges against an elite group of Chinese hackers, believed housed at this Shanghai building and known as Unit 61398. Some great coverage on TechSnap if you do a site search for Jupiter Broadcasting. Really good episodes of TechSnap on these guys. But China's attacks have only continued and grown. Let's face it, cyber, as we're all waking up to again this morning, uh, is the newest domain of warfare. Traditionally, uh, we've, we've looked at uh, sea and land yeah, and space, buddy. and yeah, buddy. cyber is probably the fourth domain of warfare. Woo! Cyber. Now, there is a debate about the wisdom of hacking back against China and other countries. Let's stop there. Of course, there's no, again, no confirmation, indeed, that it is China. Uh, yeah. So, and but all signs point to, but uh, we can't confirm that. Yes, but we can confirm that seventy-two followers are being trained by American ISIS, and they're sleeping in the country, and they're going to attack. Now, buddy, uh, your that. choice. Uh, this is uh, you Chase's ready for this? Choice. This is uh, Chase's choice here, Mr. Chase. We yes, should Chase. stop at some point and thank our patrons. Now, your your choice is: do you want to cover this TSA thing first, or do you want to wait? Do the TSA, and then we'll do it before the high note. Your choice, Chase. What do you think? Let's let's cover the face palm of what all right, we know right. is a beautifully wasted government agency, the TSA. With planes, trains, subways, highways, and more under their watch, the TSA has 62,000 employees and an annual budget pushing $8 billion. But the scathing new report of a 95% failure rate... I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, that was 95%. 95%. I, get, I don't think that's... He must have said 25. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and play that back. But the scathing new report of a 95% failure rate... Uh, that is confirmed. Uh, that is uh, with Chicken up front. Uh, Aaron Burnett says, yeah. 95%, 95% failure rate... I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. What was that? I'm sorry. What was that? Board of a 95% failure <laughs> oh, okay. rate in detecting oh, okay. airport okay. threats backs what independent studies have said for years. Taxpayers aren't getting much for their money. Exhibit 1. <laughs> Eight billion. In 2010, when backscatter scanners were deployed, they were immediately assailed as ineffective, possibly dangerous, and needlessly intrusive. Woo! Virtually strip-searching passengers. Remember when you were a crazy conspiracy nut if you implied that? Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Despite yeah. spending more than $130 million, within two years, the TSA was pulling them out of major airports. Exhibit 2. A congressional report found the TSA warehousing thousands of pieces of equipment it overbought or does not need and wasting as much as $100 million on poorly planned shipping. Such things make members of Congress like Florida Republican John Micah Howell. It's out of control. And Exhibit 3. The TSA has spent around a billion dollars on a program to spot potential terrorists by their behavior despite a government accountability office assessment that says it is virtually worthless. 
The TSA for over a decade now has been a horribly bureaucratic agency. They don't seem to learn from their past mistakes. They've spent billions of dollars on things that don't work. There have been embarrassments, too, like videos of airport workers, including TSA employees, stealing from passengers' bags. It was supposed to be different. In the wake of 9-11, the newly established TSA was held up as a model of efficiency and safety. Yeah, thanks, President Bush. That was a great one. You really set us up there. So the TSA is a total joke. Uh, 70, uh, TSA missed Thousands 73. Thousands around. Did you also hear that 73 of the TSA employees were on the terror watch list? <laughs> New information on a security loophole in the skies. The TSA failing to disqualify 73 airline industry workers whose names were on the terror watch list. This according to a report by Homeland Security's Inspector General. Isn't that rich? Isn't that rich? How rich is that? It tastes so good. That's a rich Corinthian kind of rich. That's what Mm, that is. That's Ricardo Montalban up here telling you about how tasty that is. That's unbelievable. 95% failure rate by the TSA. $8 billion security theater, Mr. Chase. Wow. You know, I could give you a much better place to send some of that money. Patreon.com slash Unfilter. Uh, thank you so much. 404 of you are helping support the Unfilter show. We now have a producer thanks to that 400 number, and he really, really kicked butt. And this week, this week, so many clips, and we almost lost all of them. There's a little glitch with OwnCloud. We almost lost all oh, of our no. clips. Yeah, both uh, producer Matt and I were just devastated for about 30 seconds, and then it started to sink back, and we got it all. Uh, and so much stuff in the overtime folder this week, yeah. you could, we could easily do an entire another show. And uh, we really appreciate your support because as we build this up, I'd like to get this up a little more because I'd like to be able to pay him a little more because he's just doing an incredible job. Yeah. It's really not fair what we're paying him now. And I'd like to get a little more in there. So you go to patreon.com slash unfilter. Help get us going. And then there's a perks in it for you, too. If you start at uh, $2... It's $2. At $2, you get the supporter show every single week. Uh, when I get it up, sometimes it's a little late, depending on. Sometimes yep. it takes a little while to get it up. That's what she said. At the $5 level and going up from there, you that's get the full experience. Woo! The ultimate experience. You're going to get a lot of clips this week, tons of extra stuff. That TED Talk is in there and a bunch of other stuff in the supporter sync. Not only that, but you're helping us back up our history yeah. of what we've covered. Because yeah, totally. we try to fit stories in every single week that we think make a little Over history. Over 100 episodes worth in that supporter it's sync. crazy. It's nuts. There's also uh, a sync just for the supporter show if you want to get that, and an RSS feed, which uh, our editor puts up right away. So it's like the number one way to get the full supporter show yeah. night of release. When the main episode releases is you subscribe to that supporter show MP3 because he's he's the one doing the publishing on that. We get it out right away. Now, and then you get that at the $5 level. One thing that people need to realize if you're listening to the show for the first time, and you probably already realize it maybe— there's no ads. And the reason why there's no ads is this is a viewer and listener-supported show, thanks to you who support us on Patreon. And we know there's a lot of you out there who enjoy what we do. And so it's one of those things where if you want to keep this show on the air, you want to keep it going, you want to you know, help out our producer and contribute to that, consider being a Patreon today. And you know, if you don't want that back catalog, come in at the $2 level. If you can't even afford $2 a month, you can come in at a $1 a month. You can contribute any amount you like. You can change it whenever you want. Uh, but it's one of those things where you guys directly impact this show. Yeah. If it's not, if you guys weren't here, we wouldn't be doing the show Yeah, and long. because you guys organized, we got up to 404, yeah. and now uh, we have producer Matt on board officially. In Boom! fact, this is for producer Matt right here. You get this right there, and Chase throwing a ding for him right there. 
There you go. It's a double ding. You guys, the, the, the patrons are the ones that made it possible. Yes. And oh my gosh, now it means like next Wednesday is going to be like, the first time in like since we started the show that I'm just gonna I'm gonna take a breather for a couple hours. I'm gonna go down and see you at work. I'm yeah. gonna go with Angela to an appointment. Like. It's going to be amazing. That's awesome. Uh, and hopefully we'll get back. Oh, you're, although you're not going to be here next week. I will not be here next Wednesday. I'll be all by myself. Maybe we can... Uh, Should wait. I do a mumble episode? Uh, maybe we'll do a, like a... Mem- you can do a mumble episode. You know what? If, I like uh, to do the... You know what? You know what we haven't done in a long time that what? I want to do again? What? Get me Skype on here and we take some calls. Yeah, that'd be good too. Because, you know, the unfiltered phone number just renewed. Oh, good. Uh, well, uh, so maybe we'll do a mumble if, if you're interested. Uh, leave leave a comment in the feedback thread. And if I see a few people say they'll show up, I say let and the talk. patrons decide. Yeah. Well, I, if I can yeah. get a few people to commit to showing up, I'll do it. Okay. Otherwise, All I right. could just I'll just talk by myself and play clips. Yeah. Uh, but thank you, everybody, over Patreon.com/slash/unfilter for making this show a possible. You guys rock. And uh, Chase, now that we have taken care of our business, yes, Chris. let's end this show, if you will, on a high note like we tend to do from time to time. Yeah. And uh, I, got, I got a good one for you. Let's start with a fun one. Oh, no. Let's, let, let's end on a fun one. Let's start with this one. And, and maybe the uh, – man, if it wasn't uh, – if if it wasn't so like if I had if I had like somebody come in and like if I had like VC funding or something, right. I would totally start a show around this topic. Breckenridge, Colorado. What we're going to do is clip off some of our inner nodes and plant them into what's called a clone. And that is going to then grow into its own planet. It's going to be the fastest and the best way on this kind of scale to, you know, reproduce as much as we want. If we had to go from seed every time, I mean, could you imagine all these plants coming from seeds? There are many different ways that people will do clones. Uh, We like to keep it nice and simple, 100% soil and 100% organic nutrients. And you can see the success that we have just based off that alone. We're doing, uh, probably starting off right now, doing about 150 clones a week to where I believe we should be getting up to about 300 clones a week. That will be our overall goal. So as what we're looking for is something that's at least half an inch, something that you can get a nice good cut and have it stick out of the soil. What we then do is we put it in one of these cubes. Then we, by strain, put them in these trays. And then we keep it in our dome for roughly about two weeks. So we want to keep it nice and humid for roughly about a week. And then we crack it open to let some more oxygen in. Once you get some roots growing through the cube, this guy's ready to transplant then. What I will do is kind of make a little engrave. That way, the soil is nice and packed, but yet loose enough to let the roots start growing and spreading into the soil. I think I can handle that, man. Now, from here, once a plant is transplanted from clone, we will then make what is called a mitz tag. And this is by law that every plant has to have a certain tag. Yeah. And we end up sticking it into the soil... So then it sticks up. That tracks that plant. And at least we know what that plant is strain specific. And it also goes into our computer system by number showing that that's what this plant wow. is. Isn't that interesting? That's, uh, that's some science there. Weeks, a little botany. They'll eventually grow into a plant of their own this size where then we can start cutting clones 
from these guys. I just find that uh, an interesting aspect uh, of the business. There's about a minute left on that if you want yeah. to watch it in the uh, supporters. Now, Chase. Yes, Chris. Uh, we, we might not have time to start a grow show. That sounds like a big investment. That's a huge investment. How about a cannabis show that involves them wacky pets? I've been a fan of dogs my whole life. Bobo, Bandit, Maya, and Misty. Four of more than a dozen dogs Kiara Subas and her husband have rescued. They adopt senior dogs, like 14-year-old Leo. You're a good boy. But the little Pomeranian started having seizures. It's violently shaking. <laughs> his mouth is open. Aww. His eyes are rolling back. He's drooling. Kiara tried changing his diet. Then she went to pot. We were suggested by our vet in Boulder that we try a medical marijuana product for our dog. The product is called Canna Companion. It's awesome, Leo right? Leo started wow. on two capsules a day. Shortly after, his seizures definitely decreased. On the company website, Canna Companion is listed as hemp supplements oh. for cats and dogs. Oh. It's basically a unique blend of cannabis with low THC, the ingredient that gets you high. There are more than a dozen testimonials. Cancer-stricken Harley's happy wow. personality Seattle. came back immediately. And Kiara's Boulder veterinarian writes... The capsules have helped Titus, her 13-year-old Great Dane, be comfy and mobile. It's not going to cure cancer. Uh, it's not going to stop seizures from happening, but it can help. Veterinarian Dr. Sarah Brandon stops short of making medical claims. She is co-founder of the supplement company out of Washington State. In February, the FDA warned Canna Companion and similar companies to remove unproven health benefits from their marketing. It's, it's one more tool in our tool belt, and we firmly believe that veterinarians and pet parents should have it available to them if they choose to use it. But the FDA warned consumers should beware purchasing and using any such products. I personally am not a big fan of the FDA, so I would not worry so much. <laughs> hey, oh, I, I don't yeah. worry about that at all. You're a good girl. Yeah. Veterinarian Dr. Debbie Van Pelt isn't ready to recommend cannabis for cats or hemp for hounds. I just think that we don't have the evidence right now to document what is safe and what is effective. So, Chase, yes, uh, I find this to be kind of interesting. So, I want so one thing that maybe underscores the chat room is having a funny reaction. Uh, it sounds like it's a it's a high CBD product, low yeah. THC product. Right. Yeah. It's so not, it's not it's very not stony for animals product. to get yeah. high. Right. Yeah. It's more uh, for the. It's medical, the same thing in treatment. in like humans, like for certain types of pain for humans. When you go to the medical store, that's one of the things people are worried about when they combine the, the recreational medical here in Washington. Is there's a lot of CBD products at at, recre- at medical. There's not, not very many in recreational because exactly. it doesn't get you that stone. Right. Uh, so what do you think about this? I you know I have a dog currently right mm-hmm, now and mm-hmm. actually wrote that wrote down that product that is is suffering a little bit and I don't know if it would apply to the dog or not but it's You'd one of those things that. where. I'd be afraid a little bit, you know, because it's not fully tested yet. I know there's mm-hmm. a dozen testimonials, but that's not and really And it seems formal. like a hard, like, you know, every dog's different weight, you know. It's right, much, yeah. It could be much harder to get I, the right dosage. I, I would want to get more information, yeah. but it's promising to see that we If it can help people. It should be able to help uh, other mammals that are out there. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you'd want, the best case would be, and these people are in Washington, the best case yeah. would be a vet who's experienced with it. Right, and knows what seen, seeing what's going on, absolutely. And it'd have to be something you'd be willing to try. And yeah. in your situation, you never know. Right. But, uh, Chase, uh, yes, it was a packed, packed show, and uh, 
I almost wish we could keep going. We definitely have enough clips in the overtime folder where we could. Oh, yeah. But uh, if we don't get out of here by now, I won't get out of here until about 2 in the morning. Right. And then I'll have somebody at home that's going to be mad at me, too. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, there's that, too. Yeah. So, listen, we got to leave you with a few details. First of all, uh, we'd love to have you back us up. You could be our research crew over at unfilter.reddit.com, help make our show notes better. Yeah. All that kind of help. You can give feedback on topics. Even your voting is great. Just helps us get a temperature of what you guys like to see covered. Yeah, there's over 2,051 of you who have subscribed to it. And, and by the way, some stories that we didn't get to this week, you know, 14 years after decriminalizing heroin, Portugal um, is a different picture. And uh, Arado, Stories man, in the subreddit. Stories in the subreddit. Uh, obviously, uh, there's other information here from uh, last week tonight with John Oliver talking yeah. about bail. A great clip. The subreddit has been really great when yeah. there's five. Now we have some people don't like John Oliver, and I agree. Sometimes I'm not on board with where he goes at, but there's yeah. people that follow it. There's, there's some chase. Good stuff. Did you know I'm on Twitter? Yeah, you know I know you're. It's you a new account have Two accounts on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter.com says Chris Chris Las. I'm Chris Las on Twitter. You probably aren't following me because it's a new account, even though it's the same name. And then there's the network account Jupiter Signal. That's so you so you basically flipped your old account yep. to Jupiter Signal. Because most people were following you for the updates. Yeah. And now you have this personal outlet as well. Meanwhile, you are a bastion of stability over at Twitter.com slash news. That's right. And you know what? Since you're going to do the network Twitter, I've already done the network Twitter. Boom. True. At GeekGamerTV as well. There you go. In fact, speaking of GeekGamer, if I went to GeekGamer.TV... I might see a fairly epic episode of Minecraft Me. That's right. You'll see Minecraft-related paraphernalia. You'll also see uh, geeky and gaming stuff. And by the way, PAX is just a short oh. four, uh, what is it, 80-something oh days away. Going to be heading to PAX this year. Wow. Cannot wait. Wow. All right. Well, join us live, won't you, next. We do this on Wednesdays. Might just be me, maybe you in the mumble room, jblive.tv on a Wednesday. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get in your local time. Join me. You can be on the show next week and share your thoughts on the clips. But until then, we'll, we'll see, see you right, right back, back here, here next week. week.